I, I suppose we should start, uh, Brian, by full disclosure. Not the first time you and I have had this conversation, but I always enjoy these conversations because I always learn something. Um, has much changed in the last couple of years since last I spoke to you? <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's certainly, uh, we're moving the needle. It's advancing and cool. ma making some progress in sport medicine and at the Canadian Sport Institute Calgary and, and doing some innovative things on uh, injury prevention and concussion and ACL prevention. So things are moving in the right direction. So tell me a little bit about the, the sports medicine program here. What, what does it entail? Who does it involve? And, and how does it help the athlete? Yeah, the Canadian Sport Institute Calgary, we have a, a pretty um, large sport medicine section, so it's a big component for a high-performance athlete. It, it's pretty complex, so it's, it's thought to be at one point a reactive process where the athlete gets injured or they're ill, they come into the clinic, we treat them and try to optimize their management and get them back into the training and, and ultimately playing environment. Our goal is to be um, keeping the athlete healthy, and that's, that's one of the primary aspects of being a high-performance athlete that allows them to train effectively um, to optimize podium performance's potential. Yeah. So now we're switching into more of a proactive performance-based medical monitoring process. So, so what that means is a healthy athlete certainly is better able to, to participate in their training segments to help the coach optimize their techniques, maximize their full performance potential. So when they go into their competitive season, they're ready mm. to, to get on that podium. Uh, the proactive process is, uh, involves quite, quite a bit of component parts. So we have a, a national medical intake process where they're healthy after their competitive season. They'll come into the clinic We'll do a comprehensive screen of their health status, any injuries that's lingering on. Right. And then we try to identify certain small points or processes in their health status that we can make a difference and make them more optimally perform to get them into that podium um, performance stage. So that's a little, from my vantage point, that's a little different than, say, having a, you know, a standard practice or being a, you know, at a an ER or something like that, right? That, you know, you're kind of looking towards the future rather than dealing with the here and the now. Uh, absolutely. And we can think of, you know, injury prevention. It's not a sexy word in the <laughs> no, high-performance sport, uh, <laughs> sport medicine world, but we look at it as a performance-enhancing mechanism. Mm -hmm. So if we can keep them healthy and get the athlete to understand if they're healthy, they can be trained more effectively and, and, and put them on that podium path. What's the challenge when dealing with high-end athletes and in the case of an injury? Um, do you deal with them the same as you would a, a patient in, in the quote-unquote real world? Or it seems to me there's a lot of pressure to get back into the field to play, right? You bet. And, and certainly we the priority access and getting them in timely mm. um, to the, the proper medical assessment, the proper workup. Um, it is a team approach, so we have a high-performance integrated sport team, and we work closely with, with the strength and conditioning coaches, the physiologists, the sport nutritionists, yeah. sports psychologists, um, performance analytics. So all aspects of the team, we're looking to, to optimize their, their injury potential, get them back into a training environment as quickly and as safe as possible so they can actually get back to doing what they're, 
what they're meant to do. Brian, I, I think you're the first person that's ever attached the sports psychologist to the injury component for me. I, I know about, you know, the mental approach and strategies to be successful, but is there a direct connection, you know, with a sports psychologist can play in injury rehab and prevention? Yeah, absolutely, 100%. Uh, the mental health component of being a high-performance athlete is is very challenging. They're the demands placed on the these athletes are are extremely high. Mm-hmm. It's that one percent performance gains that that we're looking at achieving, and without the mental health and well being um, of the athlete, boy, that's that's one of the building blocks, right, to function. Yeah. So we have a great team of uh, professionals that are leading leading um, experts in that area that that really help integrate into their health and well being well being to help them maximize performance potential. So how many how many people are on the staff here when it when it comes to sports medicine how many people are under this roof that that you work with and athletes work with quite a large team um the primary sports will have a, a primary team physician okay. that's the lead then they'll have we have a whole network of physicians and and uh, surgeons and allied health professionals that help out we really want to be in the daily training environment with the athletes mm-hmm. so at the canadian sport institute calgary we have that opportunity with the clinic right in their their right. world-class training facility so all the team members are in one house in one place, we can all communicate and talk together um, to really focus on the overall well-being of the athlete. You as a, a, a medical, and I don't want to pretend like I know, but as a medical practitioner, whatever your stated field would be, you would probably constantly be updating and finding out the latest. You, How much of that happens in, in the sports component? How much of, you know, how much change is there? How much do you have to, as a sports medicine practitioner, have to stay on top of what's changing? Yeah, it, it's critically important. Um, it, it's emerging, uh, it's changing, it's mm-hmm. evolving, the high-performance uh, sport world. So you have to be up on the, the, the most innovative tools or techniques that right. we can take them to the next level and look for those 1% performance gains. So we're always looking for innovative things mm-hmm. of, or approaches of doing things. And, and I think the, the hard component of being um, a medical professional in a high-performance world is it's not just reactive care treating injuries you're thinking you're thinking about performance and right. supporting the coach's role um, and working with a multidisciplinary team of professionals that are all uh, focused on the same you know end, end in mind so it's you got to be up you got to be innovative we have professional development series focused right to high performance sport medicine on medical topics and bracing components or uh, new technologies we have that on a monthly basis at at the Canadian Sport Institute Calgary in support with the group 23 sport medicine uh, clinic yeah so we're up to date on things we'll have professionals come in and speak on on different topics um, to stay on top and, and leading edge so uh, do you you deal with the athletes but in this context and being under this roof do you deal with the coaches i mean are you impacting the coaches and the way they train the athletes if if something comes up are there examples of that or I think the biggest thing with with coaches, we we want them to support them to do what they do best and and train the athletes. So we really try to stay out of their way. We're trying to be in the backgrounds, in the trenches, trying to make sure they're healthy. And then the coaches can do what they need to do to 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 get that performance out of their individual athletes or team team approach um, to athletics. So so really, we we do communicate with them. We have an integrated support um, group team, and there'll be leads in certain areas that will communicate 
update and keep that process on their medical status on a daily on a daily uh, basis. Right. So they need to know: uh, do they got the green light to to crank them up in high intensity or or heavy um, a heavy load training principles or not due to their injury? So we, from a medical perspective, we have to keep that communication line open and and, and regularly update them on their status. Uh, Doctor Benson, I, I, how concerned are you with some of the trends that we have seen out there in the last number of years when it comes to athletes um you know baseball players young athletes getting tommy john surgeries and things like that there seems to be some craziness out there yeah the high performance athletes always looking for for things that are leading edge that are going to take them to the next level or give them that performance gain they're the, the internet now they can <laughs> google everything and and look at who's who's doing what and yeah. some good some bad um so we we look for an evidence based approach and we try to we use research um solution driven processes to guide our decision making with athletes athletes and and the medical decision making so but we're always looking to push the push the bar too so if it's not harmful to the athlete and there's potential upside we will push the bar um in that demand but we may not have all the evidence at this state for for some of the things that we do some of the 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 things that i think a lot about and i'm wondering if you see this with the elite athlete is this the switch to early specialization that the athlete is not playing multiple sports that they're picking one early I have heard, read some that are concerned about this. Do you have a, a, a medical opinion on early specialization? Yeah, I, th- I think certainly in the in the the media as of late, uh, it's uh, at an early age. Players are really specializing in their sport, younger mm-hmm. and younger nowadays. Uh, you, you know, I think. Th- from a brain or a neurologic development um, process, I think it's good to have a wide variety of, of sport backgrounds and processes um, just to fully develop that athlete on decision-making and different processes and different uh, processes of body movement and yeah. neuromuscular response. And So I think if they're a good athlete, they're going to be a good athlete. Um, but we want them to be better and more rounded athlete mm-hmm. and, and, and go through different demands and stressful situations and positions of different sports. So I think that's where they really develop with, with a different coaching philosophy, different trainers. Um, they really adapt as a high performance athlete if, or when they're getting to be yeah. on a track to a high performance athlete, yeah. there there will become a point where they will need to specialize later on. But I think for for developmental reasons, multi sport is the way to go. Absolutely, um, joints. Um, <laughs> how are we are we making any? We're going to get to the head in a second, but I do want to ask you about uh, knees and and you know, there's a lot of CLs that we get involved in. Just kind of curious about where we're going in terms of dealing with uh, you know the the joint issues and the uh, all the you know the I guess the common what we would call uh, lower body injuries in, in in sport these days yeah very very common and what we're trying to do with our performance based medical monitoring is pick out trends and patterns of injury in mm. certain sports and certain positions so through our monitoring program we can look to see Geez, and alpine skiing is anterior cruciate or knee injuries, right. um, a big problem, and they are. So we can target certain areas, um, certain injuries to certain sports and target intervention strategies once we know the, the extent of the problem and certain risk factors or uh, predictors of injury and, and look to intervene to, to prevent them. 
we're talking from the, the standpoint of the, the Canadian Sports Institute, but you mentioned Group 23 Medical this year, and then the Benson Concussion Institute is here. So is there work being done with non-athletes or, or non-CSI athletes out of this facility? Yeah, yes, uh, Group 23 Sport Medicine is, is an independent sport medicine clinic, but with a direct association with the Canadian and support with Canadian Sport Institute Calgary. So there's a lot of synergy. Many of the physicians that work in there are also team physicians or mm-hmm. allied support staff for the Canadian Sport Institute Calgary. So it's a, it's a real opportunity to... Um, to advance high-performance sport medicine with high-performance athletes. Um, there's a lot of professional athletes that, that we also take care of in the clinic at, at Group 23 Sport Medicine. So all the team members, um, sport medicine physicians and orthopedic surgeons, are used to high-performance athletes and the demands of high-performance sport. So it's a real synergistic um, clinical process in-house where the athletes train. Um, and can come in for rehabilitation or uh, a medical assessment. Let's, uh, what you and I have spent most of our time talking about, and that, that's concussions. But first, let me ask you about the, the Institute. Uh, I was here a couple years ago when you opened it. Tell me a little bit about what you guys have, are doing these days. We'll get into where we're, we're at, but just tell me a little bit about the Institute. Yeah, we, we launched um, the Benson Concussion Institute a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and it based on a real need for timely access to the best possible clinical care and to advance the science along the way and integrate with, with research-driven solutions into clinical practice. Um, it has evolved and it's it's picking up and primarily it's it started out with with direct support with Canadian Sport Institute Calgary and the Olympic and national athletes. It's now transpired down into the next generation of Olympic hopefuls and and into the high performance community. Um, it is a high performance sport concussion program and it, it really focuses on innovative um, assessment management and prevention strategies for acute sport concussion. We have two postdoctorate research fellows working with us that are, are neuroscientists and scholars in the area, the brains behind the operation that are outstanding. We have a, uh, a team of professionals, multidisciplinary in every aspect um, that's important to brain function working with us in, in one site. And our, our ultimate goal is to make sure there's timely access proper assessment mm-hmm. and management principles for a safe and successful return to sport using a multidisciplinary research-based focus. Uh, yeah, I went up. Okay, let's have the, This is the conversation. And I'm going to ask you the same question I ask you every time because I, it's safe to say in, in all of sports right now, there is no bigger issue. There's no bigger question. And there might be n- no more misunderstood. Misunderstood might be the wrong word, but I think there's – the, the the potential for false information out there when it comes to head injuries and concussions. So let let's start here. I've asked you this every time. Um, if c- concussion research and prevention was a television, what are we watching? Are we watching black and white? Have we moved into remote? Are we into HD? Where are we at when it comes to understanding the brain and concussions? Yeah, since since we last talked, I think I think we're advancing. I think I oh, said good. color TV. Yeah, I think at you that said point. color last time. Yeah, uh, I think we may have moved into some high definition oh, component okay. to this. Okay, we're certainly not um, not in the 4K or the curved <laughs> television uh, component now, but yeah. but we are making some progress, and I think particularly with some of our innovation concussions uh it affects neurologic function and our traditional approach to assessment has been in the clinic assessing unidimensional um neurologic systems which 
aren't used unidimensionally in sport. The brain's complex. It integrates several processes together simultaneously to actually play the sport. And and when they're concussed, there's certainly certain processes that are affected, and we want to be able to measure them. In the clinic, it's usually a pass-fail. Mm-hmm. But really, is it close enough or not? And how how do we know for certain that they're recovered from their injury? So we're using robotic technology and, and some physiologic um, assessment techniques to really tease out objectively and reliably, is there dysfunction? Are they back to their normal state? Are they ready to return to high high-risk sporting competition? I can't say whether we cracked the code yet, but we're certainly advancing the knowledge and and being more confident now that we're returning athletes um, safely to their next level of high-risk competition. So we are advancing uh, the science and the clinical care simultaneously. So, so Brian, let me ask you about some of the the buzzwords and the the catchphrases out there and what you think about them. Is the media covering CTE? brain injuries, particularly in football. Is that story being covered correctly? Is the information out there? Because, you know, we're collecting brains and and there's lots of debates on the merits of when children should start tackle football or that. And and I suppose this is any sport, but I'm just wondering about the, you, when you you read or watch the CTE, CTE conversation, are we having it correctly? Are we talking about the right things? Yeah, it's certainly um, certainly one of the most primary focused area on, mm-hmm. on concussion now. The potential long term and effects associated with injury and and CTE or chronic traumatic encephalopathy. And, Thank you. Um, I, th- I think the big thing is it is scary. We yeah. we don't know the true effects um, when we see an athlete at a young age with a concussion. What are they going to be like? How many is too many? Um, yeah. Those questions are very difficult to to answer based on on the current evidence. I think the only true diagnostic criteria for CT is a brain autopsy at this component time after they passed away. So we can't, we aren't there yet to look prospectively in time when they're healthy um, to know if they're going to be at risk, if they're going to develop it or not. So it's very difficult. It's concerning. And that's certainly the public awareness has made it concerning in a lot of older athletes now that may have had a, a large history of repeat injuries are are seeing features uh, or of aggressivity or behavioral changes or depression um, it's a multi-dimensional factor and and we don't truly understand if it's if it's the head impact itself that's causing that or a multitude of environmental individual characteristics like depression, anxiety, um, aggressive um, tendencies, even pre-existing any concussive injury. So there's substance abuse comes into play. There's so many factors that that have to be measured prospectively in time and, and followed forward to, to really know, is there a causal link from head injury and CTE? It's it's scary and it's yeah. a difficult process to, to study, but certainly um, it's concerning and that's why we go through great great uh, processes of means to try to make sure that they're they're safely recovered and safe um, to return to their sport and sometimes uh, retirement um, is recommended if if we're we're not certain of that so if i'm hearing you correctly still too early to draw a direct link between a sport and a ct diagnosis which would be made you know after someone passes away too early to do that yet that's correct okay yes um 
diagnosis. There's a lot of sports now that are asking their coaches and their managers to use different techniques to try and you know diagnose and make sure that a player is okay. How comfortable should we be with these these tests that are out there and being used? Yeah, I think I think the biggest thing in the community it's it's recognition, right, mm-hmm. of a concussive event. So if there's a traumatic force, there's some functional impairment that you see or yep. you know before your eyes and we, we can't expect everyone to be a medical professional and diagnosed on the spot and it's not meant to be be that so I think recognizing an event and then removing them from play mm-hmm. whether the it, it, all stakeholders have a, a big part of this now whether it's the athlete themselves their teammates their coaching parents yep. all c- come into play here but I I think telling someone and not hiding it or, or shuffling it under the carpet and, and getting the right assessment um, to, to diagnose it correctly and then treat it diagnosis is difficult um there's so many factors that can mix up or confound concussion-like symptoms there can be a neck injury that can produce a lot of concussion-like symptoms it can be their vision impaired or their gaze it's their vestibular system it's their balance and and dizzy center can be affected they can be an anxious person um or poor sleep deprived um they may have some underlying other medical health um, issues that that aren't known that can mix up concussion-like symptoms. So I think we're trying to get individualized. It's it's no longer a symptom-based injury. We want to look at objective measures for neurologic impairment, and that's where we're getting to. We're we're not just uh, assessing finger-to-nose or coordination. We're looking at a multitude of uh, brain processes with a multidisciplinary approach to actually diagnose and and uh, and manage these injuries nowadays. The flip side of that would be return to play. Um, are we, you know, since last we spoke a couple of years ago, have we made any advances in, in, you know, effective return to play policies? Yeah, certainly that now um, Parachute Canada has been really, really good. There's been uh, Canadian governments involved uh, federally and internationally. There are guidelines yep. for or strategies for return to sport and return to learn so there are they are black and white there's still there's still a lot of unknown mm-hmm. are they the best process um is there the evidence support what we say i think it's a common sense approach to return to play um it's difficult because we know there's clinical recovery where symptoms subside or, or they're asymptomatic we can't measure anything from clinical assessments but there is a physiologic injury still still going on that typically lags behind symptom recovery. So we're trying to get at, are they really ready to return to sport? And when are they ready? And yeah. now we're measuring that with, and getting some certainty around this. So I think it's as a grassroot level, the common um, guidelines or strategies are, are good. But you, you need someone with some expertise mm-hmm. in concussive injury um, to be up on all the, the latest on concussion to give that proper advice and, and ready to return to sport baseline testing um it, it's is this still something that we should be looking at for athletes uh, in, that might be playing a sport i suppose all sports have the ability to be concussive i suppose in some way but is there a role for baseline testing yeah baseline testing uh, it's received a lot of of controversy recently um just because it's used differently to mean different things and traditionally baseline testing's thought to be a neuropsychological computer test mm. and that's what what um 
what people use it for. Um, but baseline testing is way more than that. You're, you're looking at a multitude of neurologic processes um, in a healthy state, so the uninjured state. So if they do get a concussive injury, you'll be able to individualize, look for deficits, look what may be other contributing or confounding factors, tease them out, and, and really provide an individualized approach because you've got something to compare with in a healthy state, uninjured state. Yeah. So there, there, is, there is a role, I think, in high-performance athletes, absolutely. For the problem in the grassroots community level the expertise or the availability or the costs associated with these uninsured services that aren't covered by traditional healthcare plans is a problem. So if, if, if baseline assessments were mandated mm-hmm. across every sport at every level, I don't think we'd have the capacity or the expertise to provide that level of service. So at a grassroot level, I think it's, it's still, um, it, it's certainly, it's, Recognition, sure. Removal from play and, and getting me into proper assessment and management strategies with a, a qualified healthcare professional at high performance level. I think the individualized, healthy preseason clinical assessment or baseline assessment does provide a lot of validity to what we do to individualize management. I would imagine that if I talked to doctors from all across different fields, they would all be saying that you know we should do more as a society. But let me just stay in athletics for a second. Considering the importance of athletics and, and health and, and the long-term ramifications of, of, of being an athlete or being in, in good physical health, is there a case to be made that, that there should be some sort of supplied baseline testing for kids through you know, the healthcare system? Could we make that argument? Should we, should we be heading in that direction? I think as as more evidence exists that yeah. that show the, the the clinical utility or the validity okay. of, of actually baseline testing to to justify that high level of cost to society yep. Um, yep. that economic benefit you know they should be a high risk sport I think and 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 we know some sports are higher risk mm-hmm. than others and mm-hmm. that's pretty common sense but and if they're advancing to that level or age group where they're considered high risk and we know there's a high probability that they will get a concussion I think there is programs now are moving in that direction to, to get that proper um, team approach to uh, right. to management okay um, two more for you one and that has to do with you know and I, it, my guess is every time you get introduced at a dinner party then somebody asks you this question but I'll ask you because I know you're a former hockey player still hockey player your kids played sports you probably should my kids play sports there is a value um, how do we as parents how do we as elite athletes walk that line of of you know concern and, and doing the right thing yet I don't think we should be, can be, or would be scared away from continuing to compete in athletics, should we? No, a hundred percent. I agree with with um, sport participation is is tremendously beneficial beneficial for the for the overwhelming uh, character development and well being of a yeah. uh, of a child. Um, so I do not discourage athletes. Just because of the risk of injury is there, it's always has been there. Now it's more recognized and and more prevalent in the in the the media, and the potential consequences associated with things like concussion are at the top of some mind in high high risk collision or contact sports. You know, I think I think we're getting better at um, 
you know, you know, assessing and, and managing and, and making sure we do the right thing and around prevention. And, and I, you shouldn't discourage anyone to participate or follow their dreams or their love yeah. in sporting um, based on an unknown risk, right? Right. Or, or probability of injury. So I, th- I think the overwhelming benefit outweighs the risk of, of participating or not participating. And there is help out there. If an injury occurs, there is expertise. There are people willing to help and, and give you advice or recommendations on any particular injury out there. So I, I, uh, my kids, I encourage them to play and, and follow their dream. Um, we, people can be scared of, of the approach of the what ifs, the uncertainty, and that's where the public, that, that's a difficult thing, but yeah. we don't know, right? There is uncertainty. So fulfill your dreams and uh, there's help if needed. My last one for you. Uh, what what gets you excited in the morning getting up, coming here? What, what gets you excited? About, I mean, we talked about all the things that are going on here, but, you know, Brian, what, what gets you excited about coming to work every day? Well, I think, you know, high performance in, in my world, sport medicine, the reactive component is is bread and butter. But when you can apply a high performance focus to what we do, work with a team of professionals that have a common goal, um, working with athletes that, that are tremendous individuals that, that have an end goal in mind and, and striving, um, if we can help them achieve that. Um, in my world, if, if I can make a difference in an area, um, injury prevention, concussion, if we can move the science and, and move the clinical care of this, um, it gets me up and gets me excited. And I'm just happy to be a part of it and, and work here every day.